You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to episode 33 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. As always, we want to welcome you for these 30 minutes of digging into the scriptures, viewing it as a grand narrative. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, we've seen a, an uptick in new listeners. So if this is your first time, welcome. And I'll say the same thing I always say to new listeners. We really recommend you go back to the beginning, episode one. But if you're determined to come in right here, it's a good episode because we are moving into um, uncharted waters. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's impressive. <laughs> I like that. So be sure to, to like, subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, fo- uh, follow us. If you're on iTunes, subscribe. That way you're going to get notification every Tuesday morning when we release a new episode. So with that, let us cast off into the churning waters of Genesis You are 6. bound and determined to take segues from me. <laughs> I know, just after we talked about giving him back to you. Yeah. yeah. So we're only going to look at one verse today, but we're not really going to break down the verse. We're really just going to talk about the flood in general. I, I, I love how we've just stopped apologizing. We're only doing one verse for today. Like, it used to be, hey, we're slowing down here. Now it's just like, you know what you get. This is what's going to happen. But it's not really... <laughs> this is what the podcast is. This is not really to break down the verse. In fact, I'll just go ahead and read it so we know where we're going. I'll just read the first part of verse 9. It just says, these are the generations of Noah. We're not even going to read the whole verse. That right there. So here's where we're going with this. We're just going to talk about Noah and the flood in general. And I just want to open with a question to you guys. Okay. Okay. And that is, let's not talk about history first. Let's just talk about knowledge of any experience. How do you know something has happened if you did not or do not have firsthand observational experience? Or can you mm. even always can you always completely trust your firsthand observational experience? Yeah, that's, that's a good was point to too. Say. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's a good point too. Sometimes there's the man behind the curtain. Dares bother the great and powerful Oz. Yeah, <laughs> I liked it better when Nathan did did the episode segues because now this feels like apologetics 101 all over again (laughs) (laughs) that's what you get that's what you get for messing with the formula well we're going somewhere with this but how how do we know like how do we know in in a time where you do you trust the news do you not trust the news can you trust what people are saying on social media is this true is it not true is it is does it have is it a loaded comment, so to speak, that somebody is mm. pushing a narrative that they want to see the world in this way? Well, yeah, and like, even, how do you know something has happened? Even when well, Gandalf was introducing about, the episode, he you know talked about this invitation to explore the biblical narrative. But it does inevitably it raises the question, you know, if we're approaching the Bible as a coherent story, what is the relation? It's not the only story out there. So, what is the relation? between the story as we know it, study it, affirm it, and truth as it happened, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's an imp- man. Those are important questions, uh, and inevitably you get to the discussion. Uh, not so much for people of faith. Most people of faith tend to say, "Well, I believe God. I believe the Bible's His inspired word. So if the Bible affirms something, even if I can't prove it, that's enough for me." So like Noah and the flood. Uh, Noah's mentioned eight times in the New Testament. His historicity, his historicity, is assumed by the New Testament writers. Um, the historicity of the flood is assumed by the New Testament writers. You have it in the Petrine epistles, you have it in the Gospels, you have it in Hebrews. Um, and so for most believers, even if they don't know entirely what to do with the flood, uh, they say that there's enough there biblically to stand firmly that this is not just a story that's a story grounded in history. But if, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I come to the Bible unbelieving, if I'm skeptical or whatever, that feels like a circular argument, Right. Um, hey, oh, that's cool that you have books that say your other books are right. Uh, I, I know this isn't an apologetics podcast, but I would I would push back against that. I've had people tell me that. I'd push back against that because ultimately, like Matt's talking about, how do you know anything? Yeah. At some point. say y'all never answered my question. Yeah. Uh, you know, at some point you have to hold some things as unproven but true. I mean, that's what math is, right? Yes. Yeah, so I, 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 yeah, was, yeah. I, I was having a... I, I was having a uh, this. This is so. Uh, we haven't even talked about this. Uh, I was having a discussion with a friend of mine a few weeks ago, and he's he's agnostic. He's skeptical, um, and I, I I said, you know, the more I study anything, the Bible included, the more it's you know, depending on what altitude you fly at, you see more or less detail. Um, but I said, if if we're likening the Bible to an island on which I base my core values, beliefs, and try to live my life. I said, I guess I've seen enough of that island. Even though I don't know every detail, I've seen enough of the island to say that's a safe place, that's a good place to land my plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and for my friend, he's like, yeah, I want to make a better path. Uh, he, I want to make another pass. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? There's, there's still details I need to see. Uh, to before I'm ready to land the plane, and and, and uh, you know, we as we talked about that, I said, yeah, but you don't have an infinite amount of gas in the tank. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, I, and, yeah. I, and I, that's not a, that's not a complete argument. That's not an overwhelming argument. Um, but it, it's it's why we have things like the newlywed show, right? Um, you you get these couples who have just gotten married, and you ask them all sorts of questions about each other that they can't possibly know the answer to. But that doesn't mean they don't know each other well enough to have a firm basis for trust and shared life together, right? Right. I'll come at it from a different angle here, the single guy here. I'll come at it from a different angle. By all means, sir. I I would say, because Matt talked about, like, the era of fake news. And, you know, if you had asked me this question, like, 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have answered because I wasn't interested in such things 10 years ago. But, you know, back before the rise of social media before multiple online news sources i would have said oh well you know something is true because of the number of sources like there's a lot of people saying this that means it must be true uh, and then yeah. the fast few years have taught me that is it can be an echo chamber yeah. incorrect mm-hmm. as absolutely incorrect i would say now if we're looking at it from the lens that matt was talking about i would say probably the way i know something is true is if there's common threads among multiple different. Yeah. In other words, if if you have sources, if you have diverse sources that have no vested interest in, in generating common ground and there's still common ground, pay attention, right? 
Yep. Yeah, um, I would say that lowest common denominator is where you want to be looking. At. At le- and again, you may not stay there, but that's a firm foundation on which to build, at least. So yeah. um, when it comes to Noah's flood, there are people that when you talk about the flood and the ark and the animals and stuff like that, they just start laughing. It's just absolute nonsense. Like, I can't believe you believe that fairy tale. Um, oh, I know Christians who hold, uh, hold to the flood not as a historical account, but as an allegorical one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of even Christian scholars, uh, and again, otherwise Bible believing, uh, you know, we talked through a few scholars uh, before we, and I, I'm not, this is not a, you know, call out podcast, so I'm not putting anyone on the table, but you have a number of Old Testament scholars who say you're really not on firm historical footing until you get to the patriarchal narratives in Genesis 12 following, and they really want to relegate um, Genesis 1 through 11 because it's, in a way, it's so different uh, from what follows um, because it's such compressed history, uh, such a compressed story in 11 chapters. They, they they tend to relegate a lot or all of this to myth and not myth as a literary structure, myth as an historical assessment. And just yeah. to remind our folks that myth is a historical assessment, it was, it was through those stories that people recounted their history. That's just kind of spread out yeah, a little more. When we say something is a myth, we're not necessarily saying it's, it's not true. That's how that's it gets right. used it's modern just times. Yeah, like that, that, that's ancient like truths were communicated through stories. Yeah, that's you know much the same way that uh, to say something is metaphorical is not to say that it's not true. Metaphors does not mean you know, so. If I call Matt a dog, I'm not calling Matt a dog. But if I were to call Matt a dog. I'm not communicating, and no intelligible listener of this podcast would think that I believe Matt has, you know, furry hind legs and wags a tail wherever he goes and barks at his neighbors uh, when the newspaper guy comes by. They would say, oh, maybe I'm saying Matt's a lovable, loyal friend. If, if Andrea calls Matt a dog, it probably has a very different connotation. Right. But, the, <laughs> but even the metaphorical language would be capturing a literal truth, Right. It's mm-hmm. not what you're saying, it's how you're saying it. Um, the same thing happens with the myth is so broadly used. For some, myth means made-up story that never happened. For some, myth means a way of talking about uh, grandiose truth claims um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, you know, in a manageable, um, symbol-laden package. Uh, and for others, uh, a myth is just a his- for for some cultures, for some scholars, myth uh, means you know uh, an origin story or something of the like that has broader uh, explanatory power beyond the actual event. The spectrum of about, use, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's interesting talking about myths because I I know some believers who will discount uh Noah, the story of Noah's Ark as a historical account because it lines up so neatly with other myths. Um Wikipedia calls them deluge myths. Right. right? Stories of, right. of global floods. Yeah, and, and that's and I and I want to push back on that. So like I encourage our listeners, if you're not listening in your car, like if you're in a office desk or you know wherever you listen to the podcast, God bless you. I'm not going to tell you where to listen. I'll just tell you when to listen every week. Shameless plug. Um, but if, if you're listening at a desk, it's, it's worth doing a quick internet search on, uh, flood myths in antiquity, right? There, there's a, there's a Wikipedia entry for this. And there, if you pull up that Wikipedia, um, 
argument, uh, I mean, if you pull up that Wikipedia article, you will see flood myths everywhere. North America, in fact, you know, we're we're in Mississippi. The, fir- the first one listed is the Choctaw flood story. And there's a link and you can look it up. Uh, you have So you have flood uh, myths in North America, Mesoamerica, South America, uh, Asia, including the ancient Near East, China, Iran, India, Indonesia, Korea, Malaysia, the Philippines, Thailand. Uh, you have it in Europe. Um, you have it, uh, I'm, I'm, and even even in like remote places like Polynesia. Yeah, you, in other words, you have you have this story among people groups who have not been in contact with each other much at all, if at all. Right. Right. And so. You, Gandalf saying some people say okay this is just a story people like to tell and and I want to push back against that if you didn't have to tell this story if nothing happened why does everyone default to telling this story right why, why do you have so many diverse independent cultures and societies saying there were some substantial world events that involved a really big flood and that's part of how we tell the story of the world right? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Even where there's even where these stories differ in their details, Matt, you've said it in previous episodes. This story is everywhere. Right. You mentioned the Choctaw myth, and just to give folks a flavor, that one is so so short. I'm just going to read it. It says, "Our people have always had a tradition of the deluge, which happened in this way. There was total darkness for a great time over the whole of the earth. The Choctaw doctors or mystery men." looked out for daylight for a long time until at last they despaired of ever seeing it, and the whole nation was very unhappy. At last a light was discovered in the north, and there was great rejoicing until it was found to be great mountains of water rolling on, which destroyed them all except a few families who had expected it and built a great raft on which they were saved. So So, I love that. So mm -hmm. waters... Uh, raft or boat, and the language of salvation in their narrative. <laughs> right. Yeah, you can't uh, really say that this is connected to Jewish sources. <laughs> yeah. We're like, talking about First Nation people here. We're, we're talking about the Choctaws. In, in other words, I, it even if you're skeptical and you're listening to this and you're like, okay, not convinced at all. I knew they would go to the classic Christian apologetic. You can trust the Bible to talk about you know historical events. Which is which is harder to wrap your mind around? That all of these stories across cultures, across times, across places are all independently coming up with something or that they're all capturing at least partially something that actually happened, right? To me, to me the tough sell is to say, yeah, these Choctaws really know their Jewish folklore. <laughs> That's the tough yeah. sell for me. That's right. It reminds me of a movie I was watching last night. I was watching uh, the remake, the 2019 version of, of Midway. And, of course, it's a cinematic remake of a historical event of the Battle of Midway. <laughs> Surprise, we're talking about... You're, you're not. You're a, not a great our, flood and waters. You're, you're not. You're not. I was going to say you're not helping our claims to uh, historical credibility by uh, appealing to Hollywood depictions. <laughs> That's right. But th- there was a there was a cool scene in there where uh, Admiral Nimitz and Edwin Layton, the uh, Commander Layton, who is the intelligence guy, 
they're trying to figure out where the Japanese fleet is in the Pacific. And they're pressing on their intelligence guy, their code breaker, a guy named Joseph Rochefort. And they're wanting him to tell them where the Japanese fleet is. And he's like, listen, I can't give you a direct answer, but we do see the signals and the signals seem to be suggesting something. And then he says this line, which is really cool. He said, sir, imagine that you're throwing a wedding and maybe I've never seen the invitation, but I hear from the caterers that they have an event on a certain date. The flower guy is buying up all the roses on the island. The best band is booked. And that is what signal intelligence can give you. Clues, not a definitive answer. And what we're saying here is that these other flood stories here, they're, they're not giving you the exact information that, of Noah's flood found in Genesis. But it, they are sending signals that, hey, opening, how do you know something actually has happened? Well, a diversity of sources that are not dependent on each other. Maybe they don't even have the same goals in mind, but there's yeah, overlap. H- historically, that's called multiple independent attestation. Correct. Um, and Big brain on this guy. <laughs> uh, no, the, the boring hours of my life that I've... I do this podcast so that I can unload so many hours of boring study on our helpless listeners. But anyway, so these are the signals that we have, you know, these other stories, these other narratives that are out there. And like you, Nathan, and and in disagreement with uh, some that say, well, these stories actually make me second guess Noah's flood. I actually think it reinforces it to say, is it more reasonable to say that nothing ever happened or that something actually did? When all these peoples from all over the world on every continent but Antarctica are saying the same kind of thing in their own way, having nothing to do with Jesus of Nazareth or Abraham or the God of the Old Testament. I mean, they're just telling the story in their own way. This reminds me of the King's List episode that we did, right, about the Sumerian yeah. kings. Um this this was just this was not a tough sell in antiquity. Right. Uh, I encourage you click click all the internet links you want to click. You don't even have to start on this from I want to affirm the Bible. I think if you do independent study and just look click all the links on Wikipedia, <laughs> you know, look, look up all these I think you have to answer the honest basic question why did everyone, in other words, none of the other sources offer this as an apologetic. They're not trying to defend something. It's just a common assumption this happened. Now, they disagree on how it happened. Uh, you know, for, for some, there was um, like the Ahura Mazda myth, you know, where there's an ice age and then the snows melt and the snows flood the world. I mean, the melted snow floods the world. Um, that's in, that's from Iran. Um but uh, they dis- so they disagree on the how, they disagree on the why, like we talked about on the previous episode. In the ec- Epic of Gilgamesh, the world is flooded because the gods think humanity is too noisy. Um, but e- e- even where they disagree on the what, uh, I mean on the why, even where they disagree on the how, there is a common assumption across times, places, and cultures as to what this broad-scale, worldwide flood. That's everywhere. It's not even a point for them to defend. One of my so favorites assumed. is North, Norse mythology, where the flood came uh, because they, they killed a frost giant and he bled out. Well, 
what happens when you kill a fro- kill a frost giant and he bleeds out? Well, he melts and then it flooded the world. <laughs> so it's and, just interesting how these stories are told. And we're we're even telling these stories in modern time. I can think of like just three off the top of my head. Uh, we all know the cinematic disaster of Waterworld. Oh, right. <laughs> Dry yeah. land is not a myth. <laughs> I have That's seen right. it. <laughs> um, twenty twelve. Yeah, you remember that yeah, movie? Yeah, 2012. That was a that was a, a flood, and yes. their salvation was through flotation. Oh yeah. Um, and and let's not go a single podcast without mentioning Lord of the Rings, but right. where the the divine oh. character in the divine character in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings um, sinks the city of Numenor because they try because humans try to become like the gods. Uh, so yeah. we're Wasn't telling that 2012 story 2012 where they like build the arcs at the end and they, they correct to, oh, yes. okay i always confuse that movie with day after tomorrow even though they, their plots are so different well the day after tomorrow is about new york city freezing over oh that's right, right. and so i mean it's not you're not too far off okay so here's here's another facet of consideration and and this is very much in the take it or leave it category this might not do anything for you at all um, several years ago, and I'm not taking a stance on the documentary. I'm just acknowledging it because we referenced it, I think, in a previous episode. Al Gore came out with that documentary, An Inconvenient Truth. Y'all remember that, right? Yep. And, and and one of the things uh, that the documentary dealt with was, you know, melting of polar ice caps, climate change, stuff like that. And the massive, I mean, this is part of political dialogue in the U.S. It comes up in presidential cycles. Uh, suddenly that country song about oceanfront property in Arizona is, is, is not so, you know, it's not so funny, right? Um, <laughs> why, why is it, if you, you know, if you watch that over against like an Independence Day or pick your, you know, pick your alien movie, why is it so much easier for our minds to conceive the flood? And this is the modern era. This is the modern era. We're not talking about those silly ancients and their myths and what they believe. This is in the modern era. Why is it so much easier for us to conceive things like the flood than the alien than an alien invasion? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because you're right. It's not too hard for a human, you know, living in today's society to wrap their mind around the dangers of a of a global wide scale flood. But you would never think that same way about you know. But a if, but if, alien but if you, snapping his fingers, yeah. But so it's it's not too much. It's not. This is the the irony for me. It's not a tough sell to say to the modern, uh, uh, the modern or the skeptic or whatever. It's not a tough sell to say, hey, if we don't get serious about climate change, the world is going to flood. But 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 we are singularly unconvinced to say that it could happen in a different place by God's agency rather than man's. So mm. does yes. that make sense? I mean, that that's an interesting hangup. And I me. guess also if word gets out that uh, former Vice President Gore is building a boat somewhere, that maybe we should t- <laughs> maybe we should take him more seriously. They- Pay attention. <laughs> Pay attention. But, I'm I'm not going to panic until I see those snails that Nathan talked about. When I see well, those snails going towards the the Gore Estate, that's so so Matt. So the good news for this podcast is Matt has a boat. I think can it fit eight people, Matt? We can cram. My kids are going to have to draw straws. Um, <laughs> so I, Matt, Matt, and I uh, we're going to Pickwick Lake in a couple weeks with another pastor friend and his wife, and so this is actually a secret audition for me to be Matt's first mate. Um, oh, okay. This is yeah. I, I I picture a very Gilligan Skipper dynamic. Um, uh, I'll, I'll let uh, y'all assign who's who. Oh. Mm. 
Mm-mm-mm. So I'm actually, and by the way, listener, if you go down to whatever platform you're listening to this on, there's going to be a link that is referencing this Wikipedia article we're talking about where it lists the flood myths, right? the myths or the deluge myths, whatever it, it's named. But I'm looking, I'm going through some and I'm seeing some common elements here. And I especially like the Hindu flood myth where they had to, the gods had to flood the earth specifically to kill a race of divine human hybrid giants. Yahtzee. Interesting. In oh, <laughs> how about that? I've never heard of that before. So, yeah. And I also noticed that the common element here, it's always flotation. That's always the salvation. It's never like mountaintop or they get whisked away to mm. like a different plane, like to whatever the heaven idea is. Breathing underwater. Myth. Yeah, it's always flotation. And it's always like a dude in his family hmm. or like people who saw it coming or whatever, things like that. Yeah, isn't that interesting? interesting? Isn't that interesting? In other words, different times, different cultures, same basic logic. <laughs> uh, right. that, that's it. That, that fascinates me. So again, can you prove Noah and the flood? And, and again, this, this, I don't know that this episode is meant to be an apologetic that we're, I don't, I don't know that we're proving anything. I am inviting you to trust the story as it's given and say you're maybe you're on firm footing to do so. Not just because this is a story that the Bible tells, because this is a story that just about everyone tells. And alongside of what else you know about the Bible, if you're a believer, the Bible affirms this story. Um, is that enough for you to land the plane? Uh, in other words, yeah. you know, how, how many, how many signals uh, you know, going back to the midway analogy, how many signals do you have to receive about caterers and chairs and the best band in town being booked before you say, hey, there might be a wedding scheduled that day. Uh, and with something we talked about before we started recording the the episode, you know, the, the, we've, we said it earlier, but this like this isn't an apologetics podcast. It's not something we really focus on. And that's partly because the whole thesis of this podcast is we're telling the story of the Bible in a narrative sense and it's interesting to, to see that when the biblical writers talk about the story of noah's flood they're ne- they're never defending it they're never sitting there trying to like prove that it exists it's just taken as fact that's how they want you to read the story it's just not their concern about proving whether or not it exists so um it's fun to think about this sort of thing but you know at the same time i feel like Whenever we talk about Noah's flood, it's always in the context of like trying to apologetically prove it happened or it's historical. Yeah, so I, it's nice to talk about it. Yeah, I, I, I think of uh, the wise saying in Ecclesiastes of the making of books, there is no end. Um, so Matt Matt knows this. Like pastors are reading and studying all the time, and and no matter how much of that you do, you never just like close the book and say, all right, I think I've got it now. I think I've done all the study I will ever need to do. There's always something more to learn. Um, let me just shift it to, to a different metaphor. My wife, I am still 13 and a half years into marriage to my wife. I'm still learning things about my wife. There are still things I do not know about my wife, but I do know my wife more intimately than I know anyone or anything in God's good creation. I know my wife. Um, And I think sometimes we use our inability to know or prove everything about a biblical claim. And we miss, we miss 
because of not being able to know everything about it, we miss the invitation to know the God of the Bible and the story he's telling us. Hmm. Mm. You know, good word. talking about apologetic arguments, and we can close on this thought, is it's hard for me to separate myself from my upbringing. I was at uh, a conference a few years ago together for the gospel, and they were talking about the authority of Scripture. And one of the men on the panel being interviewed was the well-known Dr. John Piper. And they asked Dr. Piper, they said, Dr. Piper, why do you believe the Bible is the Word of God? And I was amazed by what he said. He just said, well, because my mom told me it was. So that's a really good answer, because that's been my experience, too. Like, the story of Noah's flood is not far-fetched for me, because I was brought up being taught that it's true. And so it's hard for me to separate myself from my upbringing and take an objective view at this. So... It's difficult for me to do that. However, what these independent sources do, these other sources and other myths, is they don't chip away what's been instilled inside of me. If anything, it reinforces. And no, I can't be totally objective and say I don't have a dog in the fight, because I do. I, I, believe, I believe this story is true because the Bible says it's true. But I'm not approaching the Bible in an apologetic way. I'm approaching it as a believer. So... I'm reading this differently than the person who's trying to prove the Bible based on the flood story, but there is evidence there to use it in an apologetic way. And I think these other stories tell us, you know what, while we can't give you the direct proof, there's signals to show there's good footing to stand here. Yeah, I love that. And and, and on a confessional note, since you talked about trusting your mama, my oh, mom yeah. has my mom has all sorts of like little Noah's Ark figurines and stuff, and <laughs> so I guess I have a bias too. I love my yeah. mama. That's right. And my mama loves her figurines. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kidding. next time on the Better the Fiction Bible podcast, were dinosaurs on the ark? Tune in next time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but next, but we will continue the story of Noah's Ark uh, on next week's episode. Like, subscribe, and be right there mm. Tuesday morning as we discuss uh, the grand narrative of the Bible and Noah's Flood. We'll Noah's see you there. Flood. All right. See y'all later. Life finds a way. Shalom. <laughs> that was a good reference. Right there, right there at the end. Got to sneak it in. <laughs>